Our next story is about a lot of things. Some say it's about cheese. Some say it's about diaspora. And they're not wrong, but really to me, this story is about banks. And we've got a lot of love for listener Deborah Salen of San Francisco for sharing her story with the SNAP. So it's 1984, and I have this amazing opportunity to go to the former Soviet Union. We were going to visit, you know, and see all these really great sites in Moscow, and also have the opportunity to visit with some Soviet Jews. Jewish families were not permitted to practice their culture and their religion in the former Soviet Union, and they felt persecuted and they wanted to leave, and they were refused exit, and so they were nicknamed refuseniks. Basically, the government would accuse the father of the family of having state secrets. And so when he tried to leave, it was like an offense against the country. And so the fathers were often arrested, and they were taken to different work camps, like in Siberia. And then the rest of the family sort of had to manage without anything. I mean, their living situation was just really difficult. We're in a very small room here right now. It's a, you know, maybe like 10 feet by 6 feet. In a room like this, it could be a bedroom for four people. Even by Russian standards, they were extremely poor. And the whole purpose of the trip was really to try and visit, to try and help them. We wanted to give them some kind of donation or something, but they weren't allowed to deal in any kind of foreign currency that was illegal. What we could do is buy little things that weren't really available to most of the people. Aspirin, nylon stockings, chewing gum, and things that would cost us 50 cents. And then we could give them as gifts to the families. And then they would sell them on the black market so that they could get enough money to feed themselves for the month. one day in the Ukraine somewhere. We stayed over in this hotel. It was really crazy because they're just like completely like not friendly, not service-oriented people at all. They're just like, where are you going? Why are you going there? They called them the concierge, but it was really a KGB agent because they were just constantly watching our comings and goings. And every time we would come back to these different hotels, our belongings would be all different. They would have gone through the drawers and taken things off of hangers and laid them out on the bed. And it just felt like they were really harassing us, especially in the Ukraine. It was really creepy. And so we went out to this town square, just looked around, took a few pictures and stuff like that. And then we went to visit this family. And we had a great visit with them, and it was really cool. But we came back to the hotel in the evening. We were really tired, and we went to sleep. And all of a sudden, the phone started ringing. And we'd answer it, hello? Nobody was there. And then we would answer, hello, hello, and there'd be nobody there, or you'd just hear like this. And this went on for like two and a half hours. They just kept calling us like every 10 minutes, every 10 minutes. Finally, it was about 1.30 in the morning, and somebody on the other end of the line said, you both must come down and report to the lobby. We have a meeting to discuss some things with you. We got dressed, and we went down to the lobby, and the quote-unquote manager of the hotel, who I'm certain was a KGB guy, um, brought us into his office. This guy is like, gives us this big speech about we really shouldn't be using our spare time to go visit Soviet people because they don't need to be exposed to Western ideas. 
I really felt like we were in some danger because he was, um, he had a very scary, threatening tone of voice. He warned us not to leave the hotel without permission, that bad things could happen to us, that it wasn't so easy to get back to Moscow. He didn't say anything directly, but he led us to believe that we could be in danger. And then when he spoke to me, he was like coming around the desk and putting his hand on my shoulder. I was not sure that he wasn't going to attack me. It's about 3.30 in the morning when he finally let us out. And so we went to bed. We were obviously very shaken up. So it was clear that it was going to be really hard to get out of the hotel. But it was our last day in that city, and we really wanted to go visit this other family. They had a couple of people in the family that were sick, and they had a grandmother. Then the next morning, we found out this news that the leader of the country, Yuri Andropov, had dropped dead. So everybody comes into the breakfast room, and they had this big television, and it was all decked out with flowers, like as if the television was the casket. All the staff was standing in front of the television and watching a funeral. After about 20 minutes, we realized that nobody was looking at us, and we just sort of finished our little cup of coffee and just left. <laughs> We snuck out of the dining room so quickly that we didn't even have time to go up to our rooms to bring them the gifts that we had for them. And so we figured, okay, well, we'll just go shopping in the, you know, in the town square. It was really cold outside, I remember. It was so, so, so cold. We crossed the street, and there were a bunch of different little boutiques and shops and stuff. What's strange about these different Soviet shops is they have nothing in them. I mean, they're like these beautifully decorated stores, and there's nothing for sale in them. They just told us this word that they always say is called deficit. So they say deficit all the time. Like Basically, they've run out of these things. They were saying that they hadn't had a lot of different products for a long time. And then we thought, well, maybe on the other side of this courtyard, there might be a few more stores. So we started going into this courtyard. And all of a sudden, my friend and I, she looks to the right, I look to the left, and there's four guys coming from each corner of this courtyard. All four of them were wearing identical outfits. It was really bizarre. Dark, gray, thick wool coats, and they had these matching scarves. They had this red and gray wool plaid scarves on. And then we noticed that all four of them had these sticks in their hands, like billy clubs. And then they started doing this kind of noise with their hand, just like that. And it was so scary, and they were just looking at us, and they said something to us in Russian. Go, get from here, get from here, out of here, out of here. And then they started coming towards us. It was like the first time that I really felt it wasn't an adventure anymore. There was a threat. You kind of blank out almost. It's just like, you just, just go, just get out. And we just turned and walked really fast. They were around us, and they, they let us out. They kind of opened up their little cage and let us through. We wanted to just find a place that felt safe, and uh, we saw there was a little shop. And it was a cheese store. We tried to, you know, can we buy some cheese? And she looked at us with a very strange look like, you, you want cheese? And we said, oh yes, we love cheese, we love Russian cheese. And then there was this one refrigerated area, and inside this refrigerator were all these wheels of cheese. But it was all one kind. She said, no Russian cheese, Holland cheese, Holland cheese. And I said, okay, okay, Holland cheese, we love Holland cheese. We used all of the rubles that we had, 16 or $18, and it bought us at least 30 pounds of cheese. I mean, it was 
a huge amount of cheese. I can't even begin to tell you how much cheese we had. I think we were in that cheese shop for over an hour. Finally, my friend and I, you know, kind of talked in the cheese shop and said, well, do you think we should like try again? I don't know if it's safe. We looked around the courtyard kind of from a distance and saw that there was nobody in there. So we just said, you know what, we're gonna go for it. And we just took a deep breath and crossed the courtyard and everything was fine. We got into the house. We just knocked on their door and they opened the door and they were like, hi, we got your name from the Soviet Jewish connection and we couldn't bring you very much, but we have a lot of cheese. <laughs> they were really, really grateful. They told us that the cheese that we bought for them would feed their family, five people, for like three weeks, the whole family, just just that cheese. When the grandmother received the cheese, she held a few of the packages in her hand and she said, this cheese should bring you and us the same muzzle in our life, the same happiness. You should go and you should get married and you should have many children and they should have much cheese in their life.